Good morning. Welcome to St. Paul's and a special welcome to our visitors who are worshiping with us today. Do you know who the most followed person on social media is? Christian Ronaldo. He's a soccer player from Portugal. Very wealthy, uh, very good at what he does. About a, a half a billion followers, I think. But actually, there's someone who's even more followed in this world. Uh, in some form or another, there are over two billion people who claim to follow Jesus. Just what does that mean? Is following Jesus just a, a click to subscribe and scrolling back and forth a little bit every few weeks? We'll come to see that following Jesus is a little bit more than that. As we worship under the theme, following Jesus comes first. We'll hear more about that in our worship service today, which you can use the worship folder following along the order of service there or project it on the screen. Let's begin then with our opening hymn today, 736.
Please stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Let us confess our sins to the Lord. Holy God, gracious Father, I am sinful by nature and have sinned against you in my thoughts, words, and actions. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved others as I should. I deserve your punishment both now and forever. But Jesus, my Savior, paid for my sins with his innocent suffering and death. Trusting in him, I pray, God have mercy on me, a sinner. Our gracious Father in heaven has been merciful to us. He sent his only son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life as the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ, and by his authority, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In peace let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord.
Lord be with you. Let us pray. O God, you have prepared joys beyond understanding for those who love you. Pour into our hearts such love for you that, loving you above all things, we may obtain your promises, which exceed all that we can desire. Through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Please be seated. Those who preach and teach the Word of God are only around here for so long. More people are needed to come and fill their place, take their place, so that more and more people can continue to hear the Word of God. But as Elijah called Elisha to succeed him as a prophet in Israel, we notice how Elisha followed the Lord first, leaving everything behind. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the twelfth pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. The word of the Lord. Continue with the duet. Thank you. 
What the Apostle Paul went through as he followed Jesus is quite mind-boggling. Here in our second lesson from 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we hear more about everything that happened to Paul. But he was willing to go through that as he followed the Lord Jesus. And it wasn't about boasting in everything he did and how great he was for it. He was weak. The Lord is his strength and ours as well. Whatever anyone else dares to boast about, I'm speaking as a fool, I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak? And I do not feel weak. Who is led into sin, and I do not inwardly burn? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The word of the Lord. Please stand. The congregation is invited to sing the refrains, and the cantor will sing the verse of the day. to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. The gospel lesson today from Luke chapter 9 serves as the basis for our sermon. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem, and he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he and his disciples went to another village. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. 
The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated for our next hymn.
Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Heavenly Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God's word we consider in the sermon today, the gospel. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Back when I was in high school, I decided to go out for the basketball team. And many of my friends, with whom I had played basketball in grade school and had a great time with it, were going out too. So I worked hard during the tryouts, and I was a fairly tall guy back then too. Then at the end of the tryouts, I went in and sat down with the coach. The coach talked with me about what he thought I could do well and what still needed improvement. But on the sheet of paper that he gave me, there was a red dot. That meant that I did not make the team. My heart sank because I didn't fit in. I wasn't suitable for high school basketball. It felt terrible. But I'm guessing most of you know that kind of feeling too. Maybe you didn't get the job that you had applied for, didn't get into the college that you wanted to get into, or a group of friends that you really liked, didn't want you around. All kinds of ways that we learn that we're not the best fit somewhere or another. Because we all want to fit in. We want to be part of a group. We want to be part of something bigger than we are and contribute towards it. And what could be bigger? What could be more important? What could have greater impact and more lasting results and consequences than following Jesus? Do we fit there? Are we suitable for that? Let's listen today as Luke gives us some important instruction so that we might be fit to follow Jesus. As Jesus went around in his ministry, he concentrated his efforts on all kinds of different people. He called on the outspoken Peter to come and follow him from his fishing boat. He called the zealot Simon away from a political party that wanted to overthrow the Romans. He called a tax collector, Matthew, to come and follow him, to leave his tax collector booth behind. And here in our section from Luke 9, Jesus is focusing his attention on a Samaritan village. We hear more about these two brothers that Jesus called, James and John, in this episode. The the territory of Samaria was between Galilee in the north and Judea in the south. Samaria had existed kind of as, as a territory with those people for about 700 years after the northern kingdom of Israel was destroyed and most of its inhabitants carried off by the Assyrians, the Assyrian Empire settled many different people from different nations in that area of Samaria who mixed together with the Jews who were left over there. So there in Samaria was a mixture of races as well as a mixture of religions. They held to some aspects of the true religion, uh, the Old Testament Israelites, But they also mixed all kinds of false religion ideas in there as well. These Samaritans, though, did not mix well with the Jews in the north or the Jews to the south of them. 
The Samaritans worshipped on Mount Gerizim. That was a mountain in their territory. So naturally, when they heard from Jesus' messengers that Jesus was heading for Jerusalem, they wanted nothing to do with Jesus. The Samaritans were looking for a Messiah that would come to Mount Gerizim, not Jerusalem. When this happened, James and John, they suggested, they, shall we call fire down from heaven to destroy them? We might wonder, where would that suggestion come from? Well, earlier on in Luke chapter 9, James and John and Peter were all with Jesus up on the Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus was speaking with Moses and Elijah. Elijah, in the Old Testament, had done this on multiple occasions where he called fire down from heaven and consumed some enemies of the Lord. Still, this this seems unlike John to suggest something like this. John, who wrote so much about love in his gospel and in his three letters in the New Testament, but here, James and John were fiery, overzealous for the Lord. Jesus turned and rebuked them. Strong disagreement. No, we will not do that. Don't talk about that anymore. Jesus rebukes his followers who are violent and vengeful and who are looking to take revenge on people who reject him. There is no room among Jesus' followers for things like inquisitions and crusades and riots. There's no room for things like bombing abortion clinics or looking to get rid of people who practice other religions. There's no room for that among Jesus' followers. Jesus rebukes the suggestion of it, let alone actually acting on it. And it doesn't matter whether the motives were looking out for Jesus' honor or just trying to get rid of some people you don't like, Jesus rebukes his destructive followers. But then another man came along, and he offered, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Matthew's account says that this man was a teacher of the law. Teachers of the law were well known for being willing to go anywhere, out of religious devotion. They traveled over land and sea to win converts for their religion. But teachers of the law, they also loved praise from people, places of honor in the synagogues and at banquets. They loved purses that were filled with money. Jesus said to this man, Foxes have their dens and birds have their nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. The Son of Man was a way that Jesus frequently referred to himself, identifying himself as the fulfillment of Daniel's prophecy, one would come with the clouds, one like a Son of Man, who would receive glory and honor and power and who would rule forever. Jesus is saying if if the Almighty Son of Man, God's Son, Jesus himself, had no place to lay his head, do you think his followers can expect anything more? Jesus here rebukes the domesticated, those who are too comfortable with things here in this world. That man would have a hard time going without all of the worldly comforts that he knew and loved, the praise from people, 
the Son of Man with no place to lay his head would be rejected. Would this man be able to handle that? Jesus says his followers need to live as strangers here, perfectly willing to face rejection or go anywhere he calls them to follow him. Abraham would be a good example of this. Abraham was willing to pull up his tent stakes and go wherever the Lord called him to go. And Abraham, even though he was wealthy, he used all of that wealth in service to the Lord, generous to anyone around him who was in need. Jesus here rebukes domesticated followers, those who are too comfortable in this world, too comfortable with their jobs with their houses, with their social circles, or their properties, or their recreation. And then Jesus said to another man, follow me. The words that Jesus used there imply that this man already was following Jesus. Jesus was saying, keep following me. Don't go away. Continue to follow me. This man was probably one of the 72, and possibly one of the 12 disciples even, This man said, first, let me go and bury my father. Now, we might think that sounds like a reasonable request. Someone who is already a faithful, committed follower of Jesus, give him a little bit of time off so that he can go and honor his father in that way. Actually, Jesus doesn't forbid. The Lord doesn't say there's anything wrong with burying a family member. We've done that for six of our sisters in Christ here at St. Paul's already this year. And one coming up later this week. Luke himself records in Acts chapter 8 that godly men took the time to bury Stephen and mourn deeply for him after he was martyred. But this man's request, let me go and bury my father, implied doing everything thoroughly, completing all of it. That would have included settling the estate. That would have included making sure each of the family members was taken care of. That would have also included taking seven days of purification after coming into contact with a dead body. And that was too much precious time. So Jesus told that man, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Jesus knew this man's family situation, that his family was spiritually dead. They were unbelievers. And there's nothing more that could be done for that man's father. That's really the way things work here in our existence. Our time in this world is short, shorter than most people realize, and it's precious because that is our time to hear about the kingdom of God and to come to faith. Nothing more could be done for that man's father But Jesus said, you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the only thing that can give true hope and comfort and life to those who are spiritually dead here and those who die here in this life. Jesus here rebukes dawdling followers. This man wanted to take his sweet time He didn't recognize the urgency of proclaiming the kingdom of God to more people who were still alive yet and needed to hear about it. Jesus rebukes the dawdlers, the dilly-dalliers, and the delayers who are following him.
still another man came up to Jesus. And he said, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me go and say goodbye to my family. Now the Lord never calls us to desert our family. In fact, Peter and most of the other apostles, as well as the Lord's brothers, they were married and they took their wives along with them in ministry. The Lord says that those who burn with desire should be married so that they don't fall into all the immorality that's going on in society around us. Husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. Fathers are to raise their children in the fear and instruction of the Lord. Called workers are to be faithful to their spouses and to manage their children and their families and their household well. And in the first lesson today, Elijah told Elisha, go ahead. You can go back and say goodbye to your family. We don't know this third man's situation, but Jesus knew his heart. This man's heart was distracted. Jesus says, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Someone who is following Jesus is like a plower in the field. They need to have focus and attention, be fixed on their goal. The word for looking back has the idea of constantly looking behind that. You need to be focused and have attention. Jesus rebukes distracted followers here. This man would be constantly looking back and regretting following Jesus. Jesus rebukes distracted followers who constantly look back and think, boy, life was happier, life was easier before I was following Jesus. Jesus rebukes distracted followers who are constantly having their attention diverted by hobbies and recreation and other things at home. Jesus rebukes destructive, domesticated, distracted, and delaying followers here. And yes, He's rebuking you and me too. Because each of us has been one or more of that kind of follower for Jesus. And he will not let people like that follow him. We can't take those things with us. Our distractedness, our destructiveness, our delaying, our domestication, clinging to this this world what should we do? Well, it's very noteworthy here that Luke doesn't record what most of these people did. Did that teacher of the law follow Jesus when he learned how difficult it would be? Did the next man go back and bury his father or not? Did the last person go back and say goodbye to his family or not? Or did they just dig in and follow Jesus? We don't hear what they did. The implication is, what would you have done? And more importantly for us today, what are you doing? And what will you do? Leave all those other things behind. Confess them. And look to Jesus' determination. This section of Scripture oozes with Jesus' determination for us. Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He set his face for Jerusalem. He wasn't going to let anything get in his way. Nothing was going to stop him from going to fulfill his mission 
for us. Jesus would go to Jerusalem to suffer for all of our failings in following him. Jesus was determined to offer the kingdom of God to people who didn't deserve it and who didn't even by nature want it. Jesus was determined to give those people in that Samaritan village more time, determined to be patient with them. Who knows? Maybe people from a different Samaritan town, Sychar, where the woman at the well was converted, listened to Jesus and and told all the other people of her town. Maybe the gospel would slowly spread around Samaria in that way. Jesus was determined to keep going on, telling others about the kingdom of God, even after people from that town rejected him. What determination! Jesus' determination in place of all of our deficiencies in following him. Jesus' perfect determination is yours. It belongs to you. God sees that when he looks at you through faith in Jesus. Back when I was in high school, my football coach was a marvelous example for us in in my class. He took someone like me who was not fit, not suited for playing high school basketball, and, and he fit me into the high school football team. Oh, he worked us. He made sure that we were conditioned. We ran those lines up and down the football field. He made sure that we knew our stuff running through the plays and the drills and the footwork. He made sure that we were strong, strength training, even lifted weights with us. He was willing, not only during practice, but in the hallways and after school, to talk to us about football, about serving the Lord, and about life. He was a big part of making me fit as an athlete and fit in with a bunch of other different personalities and different sizes of guys. He put us in the right position to win games. We won our conference championship and went to the playoffs. But this isn't about my glory days of high school athletics. This is about you and me now and in the future. We have someone even better than a coach who played a part in making us fit. We have Jesus who did everything to make us fit. He called us his own in our baptisms. He calls us with his voice through the word to follow him. He calls us fit and forgiven in the supper. He calls us and makes us fit followers of his week after week as he rebukes our sin and as he restores us as saved. He fits you and me together with our different personalities and with our different God-given skills and talents and abilities to follow him and proclaim the kingdom of God. He fits us together to go with his determination to be patient even when people reject him, to be persistent, to keep on going with the gospel. He fits us to be prepared to give up anything in service to him. He fits us to make his kingdom a priority when there's all kinds of other things going on in life. And he gives us his determination to press forward 
no matter what else is going on around us, because there are so many souls dying that need to hear about the kingdom of God. With Jesus' determination, we are fit followers of his. And with Jesus' determination, the Lord will bless all of our work in his name. Amen. Please stand. Now may the peace of God, which goes beyond all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We confess our Christian faith using the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Please be seated as we continue with prayer. Lord Jesus, we praise you for calling us to follow you and for giving us your perfect determination through faith. Please help us to follow you wholeheartedly and to share your kingdom of grace with others so that all may have the hope of eternal life in you. Heavenly Father, thank you for watching over your child, Jan Radu, through a heart attack on Friday. Please grant her stability and recovery according to your will. Spirit of life, we praise you for giving life to Arline Hoppe through baptism and sustaining her in Christ through her life here. Though she died this past week, because of you, Holy Spirit, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to our mortal bodies. Please comfort all who mourn with this sure hope of the resurrection in Jesus. And we join to pray in Jesus' name. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Please stand. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up. 
let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. It is truly good and right that we should at all times and in all places give you thanks, O Lord, Holy Father, almighty and everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who promised that wherever two or three come together in his name, there he is with them to shepherd his flock until he comes again in glory. Therefore, with all the saints on earth and hosts of heaven, we praise your holy name and join their glorious song. Christ, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Please be seated. 